You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everybody, welcome to Webcology. It's Thursday the 29th of May 2008. This is Jim Hedger from MetaMen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk-Inc.com and we have a fabulous show for you today. Uh, we got a really action-packed show and we actually have a hard, fast time limit to the show today. Studio is, uh, well, studio is going to be a uh, 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 Solid on 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 our time limit today, Dave. We got to keep it to fifty minutes. You think we're up to it? I think we can do it, but we're gonna have to have to blast through stuff. And uh, you know, given that we really are supposed to only have a half an hour show, <laughs> I think I think we can pull that off. Well, I hope so. We have a great guest on today, um, Derry Price, chief librarian over at ResourceShelf.com, uh, former evangelist for Ask.com, and one of the original editors at Search Engine Watch is our guest. He's going to be talking about. Uh, Googlebot and the Invisible Web. But before we get to that, Dave, there's some, there's some legal weirdness in the news today. There is. It's just, uh, it's just absolutely nutty. Um, one that uh, yeah, just just came up. Uh, the thing that I found that, that just just boggles me. I mean, I am in in direct patent violations. Uh, so are you. So is everybody who's listening right now. Um, ViewStar is uh, is out there a, a Singapore company. Uh, they have filed and were approved for a patent in 2006, basically uh, giving them ownership um, of image links. Uh, so any image that links to another web page or web property, uh, if you have any of those on your site, uh, you're you're in, <laughs> you're in violation. Uh, obviously, hold on, hold on, slow, slow down, slow down there, David. If I on my site, if I have a link to this radio show that has a webmaster radio image, I'm violating. ViewStar's patent that was granted two years ago? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. So, uh, you know, obviously the challenges are out. I mean, this, this has been done for I don't know how many you know, years now we've, we've been linking this way. Um, so, I mean, there, there's, there's a good challenge out there. But 
Um, you know, at the same time, it's it really, I think, to me anyways, shows a, a pretty significant flaw over at the patent office uh, where they should be taking a look at this patent and going, but we do it. I'll bet the patent office is doing this. <laughs> They're probably in violation uh, of this patent themselves. It makes you wonder who the heck is running the U.S. Patent Office. The uh, the same guys who do the training at Homeland Security. <laughs> like seriously, it's just uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a bit ridiculous. Um, now, one thing I didn't like. Now, I was over at uh, at the Inquirer dot net uh, looking up once I heard about this story, looking up a, a couple other places. Um, one of the big disagreements, uh, and and where I disagree, disagree with the arguments against it, and, and this from uh, from a lawyer, um, is noting that any court that enforces it would be changing the whole essence of the internet. Um, that's now going to be used as the challenge of this thing. I think that's the wrong challenge. Um, you know that that really shouldn't be the point, as far as I'm concerned. Isn't you know, is is this going to change the way things are? Well, yeah, maybe, but if it's legitimate, then so be it. Um, but this is obviously just like that shouldn't be the argument that the lawyers are going in with. They should be. This is a this is an ancient. It's like me trying to patent water, right? <laughs> it, it, it was like, done for so many years. It pre predates the patent by by ages. So it's almost like somebody um, trying to patent or to uh, control the cut and paste process. Well, and there we go Speaking to it. Of, uh, <laughs> um, yes, our, our friends over at uh, over at Viacom uh, now challenging uh, YouTube and their inability to, to copyright. But uh, apparently, in this challenge, um, basically, there's some some allusion to the fact that this could include things like copying and pasting content from other sites and, and things like that, and, and that this uh, this would have to be, um, you know, considered um, a, a violation. I mean. I, I, you know, I understand that you do need to give proper credit where credit is due. When you're when you're referencing a story, you need to give that reference. Um, but, you know, I mean, heck, I do. You, you know, you have, um, you know, blogs and stuff like that. I'm sure you don't mind if somebody's going to come in, uh, copy some of your content, provided that you know they provide the proper credit uh, to MetaMed, right? I, I certainly don't mind if somebody wants to copy one of uh, the articles off our site, as long as they provide proper credit to Beanstalk. So. Um, you know, and I'm sure the vast majority of our listeners also, <laughs> uh, you know, don't mind if somebody borrows their content as long as the, the credit um, is given. There's certainly some, some legitimate uh, exceptions to that, but um, you yeah, know, as long as they I don't think, use an image link to get back to me, I'm all good. Well, exactly. Then you've got two problems. I don't want to be sued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, and while I was at uh, at the Inquirer, we found another interesting story. Now, this one goes back a little bit to like right after our last uh, our last show, so it almost made uh, made the last show. Some of our listeners may know about it, um, but Facebook. We've now got a new a new Facebook app out there. Um, if you want to be scummy and you want to be spammy, uh, Facebook's going to let you do that now uh, with an app that basically will turn. Any member who wants to be uh, into an, an affiliate uh, marketer, it's called an affiliate window, um, and it uh, basically hooks up users into affiliate programs um, and then allows you to contact all your friends and, and sell it. And we all know how, uh, how, how well Amway and, and, and the like are, are looked upon when they you know, are, are, are you know, pitching you. So I can only imagine that adding that same sort of uh, uh, nobility to, uh, to Facebook is, is really going to help them out. <laughs> 
So um, lots so, of Viagra and Cialis um, ads coming to you via Facebook. Way to keep it so up. That's right. That's right. Always. Uh, I, I mean, you, of course, you know, Facebook doesn't have you know total control over over which apps are, are being built and stuff like that. But this one's this one's pretty bad, uh, pretty bad. But uh, but speaking of of bad, well, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say bad. Um, but speaking of things that sometimes don't make sense. Um, you uh, you were mentioning some uh, some words uh, from one Mr. Bill Gates. Oh yeah, um, this is uh, this is phenomenal. Microsoft tries to take over Yahoo. Uh, Yang fights them off. Uh, rumors say that there's a, a deal eminent between Yahoo and uh, and Microsoft, or maybe Yahoo and Google. That was reported in Business Week yesterday. Um, totally unconfirmed sources, unnamed sources, that sort of stuff. So I don't know how far that's going. But let's say there isn't a deal between Microsoft and Yahoo. Well, what, the, what the hell is Microsoft going to do? You know, it's sort of left out there uh, needing something fabulous. And so Bill Gates comes along and says, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to build a better search engine than Google. <laughs> now, we live in the Pacific Northwest. We drink the water, and we're still sensible. What, what are they putting in the water down there in, in Redmond? Um, like, Seriously. If Microsoft was going to build a search engine that was better than Google with all the resources and brain talent they have, and I've been to the campus a few times recently, I'm telling you, they have serious brain talent. Um, if they're going to build a better search engine than Google, why haven't they yet? Well, I think that's, I think that's the big question. Is it, It's funny to come out and say that, and it's like, well, what have you been trying to do? Like, from the point where you started building yourself a search engine, what have you been doing if not trying to build a better search engine than Google? <laughs> that implies that they've had some other objective until now. I, I don't understand. Well, the big difference I see is that, you know, when it comes to, to working in search, we give money to Google, and if you apply for the right places, Microsoft will give money to you. That's <laughs> such a difference I see. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder which is Seriously, the uh, superior the, the, business. The hubris. It's incredible. Um, Apparently, Jerry Yang and uh, Steve Ballmer went golfing on the weekend. So we know that they're still talking. Um, now, in, in, in the game that these two play, a high score wins, so everything is topsy-turvy. But then we get, just to keep things really weird, at the All Things D conference hosted by uh, the Dow Jones down in Southern California, um, Barry Diller was a keynote speaker yesterday, and he's up on stage saying that Google is absolutely irrelevant to Ask's business. <laughs> you know, this is this is the week of this is our stupid news week. <laughs> like, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, um, are they are they maybe maybe I, I'm wrong. Are they are they something other than a search engine? Um, well, I don't know. Perhaps perhaps Google doesn't serve women age eight, age eighteen to thirty four in this in the southeastern U.S. states. I don't know. Um, maybe this is a signal that. IAC is stepping away from core search or finding a new way to monetize their search. Because if I remember correctly, Google's responsible for at least a quarter, maybe a third of all revenues that go across ask.com. Yeah. Um, that makes them pretty damn relevant. Well, that's, that's what I'd say. But, I mean, you, you, you may be right there. There may be a piece missing that, that just isn't, uh, isn't available. Maybe they are changing their, uh, their entire core. Um, but I... I can't see why or how they would manage to pull that off. Well, and it's, and it's really weird, sad and unfortunate, too. One could argue that Ask 3D was the 
predecessor of Universal Search, um, mm-hmm. or that Google copied some of the ideas from Ask3D on Universal Search. For the longest time, Ask was the innovative search engine. It mightn't be grabbing a lot of, mightn't have been grabbing a lot of market share, but it was doing stuff that the other engines looked at, and said, "Hey, that's really cool. How can we innovate on that?" Um, now, it looks as if uh, Ask has moved away from that commitment to uh, building the best mousetrap out there. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what to say, although our guest was recently the uh, head evangelist for Ask.com, Gary Price. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him to talk a lot about Ask.com, although I certainly hope he can say a little bit. Um, the most interesting news that came out this week and actually, this is news that, that's been out for a little while, but we're starting to see it in search results now, is Google's, Googlebot's ability to fill in simple forms and index content found behind those forms. And that's actually why we have Gary on the show today. He wrote a, he wrote a book back in 2001 with, uh, with Chris Sherman called The Invisible Web. Um, Gary, are you on the line now? Jim Hedger, how are you? I'm excellent, sir. How are you doing? It's actually a nice, cool, breezy day here in Washington, D.C. So we're doing fine. How are you? Well, we have a similar day up here in Victoria, British Columbia. The sun just wants to poke out from behind the clouds, and it's probably bordering on 65 degrees outside, which for Canada is actually pretty warm. It sounds tremendous, and you live in what I think is truly God's country, if, if you believe in God. Well, you're going to be out in this area, not next week, but the week after, speaking at the uh, American, is it the American Library Association? No, actually, for those of you who don't know, um, there's, there's actually two large library associations in, the, in North America. One of them is the American Library Association, which often partners with the Canadian Library Association. The other one actually is an international organization where I will be speaking called the Special Libraries Association, and a special library is the type of library you would find in a broadcast organization, uh, in a law firm, in a corporate setting. So their annual conference is once a year, every year in the middle of June, and this year it happens to be in Seattle, which I'm looking forward to visiting. Which incidentally has one of the most amazing public libraries in North America. They really do, and so does the surrounding area, so does King County. Both libraries, like most libraries in North America, including the Vancouver Public Library, for example, offer a huge amount of invisible web databases, often databases that you have to pay for. They offer them at no charge. All you need is a library card, and you can access them from anywhere anywhere you can get an Internet connection, which might be the topic for another conversation between us. But now that you've broached the subject and used the words invisible web, um, yeah, or, de- or deep web has become pretty much synonymous with the invisible web. If I could just take a couple seconds to give a brief introduction to the segment. Um, as I said a few minutes ago, Googlebot is able to fill in simple forms on websites and find the content, spider and index the content behind those forms. Now, previously, Googlebot didn't go past forms. There was wide areas of content, often estimated to be several times the magnitude of the visible web, that is inaccessible to most search or was inaccessible to most most search engine spiders. Google's getting into a large part of it by being able to get through simple forms. This is an area that's called the invisible, or as Gary just said, the deep web. And in 2001, um, Gary Price and Chris Sherman wrote a book called The Invisible Web. Um, 
how much of the internet do you think Google's going to be accessing by being able to go through forms? Well, that's a tough call because you also have to remember that there's a large portion of the deep or invisible web. We'll call it the deep web for now. Of uh, the deep or invisible web that um, that costs money. So there's a whole that costs money to access, meaning to ac- to actually get to the data itself you have to pay a fee. Now, as I just said, a lot of libraries offer access to these fee-based databases for free. For example, the, uh, the San Francisco Public Library offers access to a database of the entire, of the entire uh, run of the New York Times back to volume one, number one. Here in the D.C. area, one of the public libraries, the Arlington County Public Library, that's the county uh, that surrounds D.C. where the Pentagon is located, offers a database with the full text and full image of every page ever published in the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and uh, one other newspaper. So I'm curious to see how much they can actually get to. Now, the other problem that comes into play is as they increase the amount of data in their database, assuming that they are filling in the forms correctly and adding that data, adding that data, it makes finding whatever else you're looking for on the web more of a challenge because day one of informa- library school or information science program would be that the more you increase your, uh, you increase the data, the, there goes your relevance in terms of searching. And when you look at the web, most, it is uncontrolled data, and your precision goes away the more information that gets into the underlying database. So it really depends. The other thing that I'm interested in to see is what will you be able to do with the data? For example, when you search a specialty database, a a deep web database that's on the web for free, let's say a database of earthquake information, you can do a lot of things with it. You can sort different ways. You can limit different ways. And I'm curious to see if Google will allow end users to do this directly from the results page. I have no idea, and I, I haven't really seen too much written about it. Well, as I understand it, Google's going after Google's going to be able to go and parse through forms that are, u- are using the get command as opposed right. to the post command. Now, just to really quickly cover what those two mean, um, a get command tends to be a very simple web form um, asking your state information, your provincial information, your uh, zip or postal code, um, the nation that you live in, in order to provide. Um, a more relevant page for you. For instance, if you're looking for real estate in Ohio, they don't, you're not interested in seeing real estate across all 50 states. You want to see the real estate in Ohio. Uh, right. So, 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 so to a certain degree, they'll be, able to, they'll be able to perhaps look at IP or if, you've read, or if you're a registered user in some way and say, instead of serving this person the general page about Ohio or about Canada, excuse me, serving them the general page about the United States or about Canada, we'll serve them a provincial page about British Columbia, or we'll serve them a state page for the state of Ohio. Well, yeah, and, and we'll be able to have found that content because it filled that form in and right. assumed you know, on behalf of the searcher, this will, this will be British Columbian information, this will be Ohio information, this will be Washington state information, etc. But of course, we always know that IP tracking is not always the most accurate way to find information. No, and no, to, but, and, um, and, and, and to show local information. Oh, indeed. Because a lot of times, indeed. your IP, my IP address says that I'm somewhere in Florida, and I'm actually here 
in Washington, D.C. Indeed, although with, with keyword queries, um, the searcher could, could probably make up for that use, using a relevant keyword query. What I'm interested right. in, though, is duplicate content issues or um, uh, 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 copyright issues. Is, is Google going to be getting into places it oughtn't to be going? Well, if they are getting into places that they oughtn't be going, I think that the way, this is, again, one, something that we talk about a lot in the library world, that, that is, if that's the case, then you need to learn how to secure your data. If that data is available on the open web in some form or another, or in a database that now can be gotten to using a get command, you better be securing down that data if you don't want it to be gotten to. And I think that just shows another reason why uh, people in the webmaster world need to know how search engines work and stay current on how search engines work by by listening to this program, by listening to others, by reading Danny Sullivan's work, Barry Schwartz's work, and others. You need to stay current on what's going on because, as we both know, Jim, it can change every five to seven minutes, if not sooner. Now, you touched on earlier a uh, an interesting point and an important point, um, and that being is this is having all of this additional data really going to be a, a benefit and then touched on the fact that it may actually cloud uh, right. A lot of it could be what there's a hierarchy that this, we talk about a lot in the library world, and that is first data, then after it gets processed once, it becomes information, then after that, it becomes knowledge, and then after that, after a period of time, it becomes wisdom. Um, my point here is if you're just taking raw data by filling out forms, uh, you're going to be increasing the amount of data in the database without the proper means. And, again, I don't know what Google is doing here or not, but potentially without the proper means to manipulate that data in a way that will become useful and make and turn that data into information. And now, I think that's we, something that really needs to be looked, about, looked, looked at closely because just increasing the amount of raw data in the database makes trying to find whatever you're looking for much more difficult. That's what I often say these days about the invisible or deep web. In many respects, it's a lot smaller than when Chris Sherman and I wrote our book. Why? The technology has become better. Financial restraints that were once put on crawling this data have gone away for one reason or another. But the... Uh, but the data itself is still there, and when you look at it, and now, and now if, if it is in a general search engine database, it's being crawled by Googlebot, for example, are people taking the time to look and do the type of searches that will turn it over? In other words, I believe the invisible web today is actually larger because of the way searcher behavior has not changed over the last seven to ten years, meaning most people, it's still 2.8 to 3.5 words, uncontrolled vocabulary will take that first page of results and if it's not on that first page of results it might as well not exist so just making the database larger and providing back more results one of ten of five hundred million versus one of ten of two hundred million doesn't really make a difference for the end user because for most end users they're only looking at that first page of results see where i'm going with that well absolutely um, on that Gary, I'm afraid we have to take a quick two-minute station break. I have to pay a little okay. few bills here on Webmaster Radio. Um, I hope you can stick around for a couple moments. 
Friends, this is uh, Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from metaman.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Dash Inc. Stay tuned. We're back with Gary Price in just a few minutes. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Hello, welcome to our website. Website traffic isn't about paying for clicks. Okay, so I guess we're going to wait until everyone shows up and then we'll... Uh, um... It's about having the right content. So while you're searching for more traffic, the folks at InfoSearch Media are creating the content people are searching for. With InfoSearch Media, you can get more traffic for less money than PPC. So the next time you need to speak to your customers... Welcome to our website. They're already searching for you. InfoSearch Media. Get content that really clicks. When it comes to finding the right customers with the right keywords, all you have to remember is ABC Search. ABC Search is the world's largest privately held pay-per-click network, giving advertisers the best pay-per-click traffic with over 6 billion searches a month and industry-leading protection using ClickShield. Their patent-pending fraud identification software, you can trust ABC Search to deliver the best possible traffic. When thinking about PPC and publisher solutions, all you need to remember is ABC Search. Quality partners, quality search, abcsearch.com. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Welcome to the Daily Search Cast. Jerry Yang's got to prove that he's got a company that's worth more than $40, $45 billion. So he's done a blog post saying, first of all, we've rolled out all these things in the first quarter. And we've been joking about it every week. Throw something out overboard. Throw out another product. Jerry also says the board took its mission very seriously. We clearly indicated to Microsoft we were open to the transaction, but only if it were on terms that fully recognized the value of Yahoo and was in the best interest of our stockholders. What he's not saying is, so in your face, people who say, I just love Yahoo so much, I couldn't let it go. Come on, Jerry. Yeah. If you love something, set it free. And if Yahoo's Live broadcast Monday through Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. We're on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Find Webmaster Radio now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Add us today from the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's Thursday, May the 29th, and we have special guest Gary Price from resourceshelf.com on the, on the show today. Um, before we jump back in with Gary... Uh, Dave, thank you. You just saved me. I'd forgotten to get business cards printed for the SNX conference coming up next week. Um, funny thing happened while we were on break. Um, <laughs> I just got a call from the other search engine conference, the third phone call I've received from them today to see if I'm coming to their show or not. 
um, speaking on two different panels at SES Toronto. But they've been they've been calling through the registration list. They've been getting calls from SES like two or three times a day, once a week, for the last couple of weeks, just to make sure that. Uh, it's from the same fellow too. Um, it makes you wonder how large the list is and how many duplicates are on that one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so I forgot to get cards printed up for next week's uh, SMX Advanced in Seattle, and that totally slipped my mind with 100,000 other things that have to be done before going to a major conference. <laughs> Gary, are you going to be at SMX? No, I will not be at SMX. I, as I said, I'm saving the, uh, the cross-country trip for the, uh, for the Special Libraries Association conference the week and a half later. There sure are a lot of conferences, though. Oh, indeed. It's a, a conference every couple of weeks these days, eh? Yeah, you could you could pretty much live on the road and not remember what city you're waking up in if you just went to if you went to all the conferences. Well, I, ma- I imagine that's a problem people like uh, Danny or Barry or Lee Oden have, where these, these guys are at conferences all the time. Yeah. I think the last time I had the pleasure of seeing you was in uh, was in Santa Clara at SMX West. Um, I think, yeah, I think that was it. Or it might have been an SES in Chicago last December. No, no, it was it was in February in Santa Clara. There was the party. No, that I don't even Patrick remember where Prescott I was. Got organized on the uh, on the poolside on the poolside patio. Oh, that's right. Um, back in the Ask dot com days. What yeah, a nice segue, a, isn't that? Isn't that nice? That's brilliant segue. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I worked on that the entire break. <laughs> um, so what is up with Mr. D- I don't, I'm no longer in his employee, but what is, him, what is that with him saying Google doesn't mean anything to ask.com? That seems a bit odd to me. My, uh, that seems a bit odd to me without saying too much more than that. Well, and, the, and the other thing was, that... Go ahead, I'm sorry. At the um, All Things Digital Conference, um, All Things D, held by the Dow Jones in Southern California, yesterday, Barry Dillard is on stage saying that Google is not relevant to Ask's business. Um, well, we both know, and as you said earlier, we all three of us, excuse me, Dave, we all three, all three of us know that uh, a lot of the advertising from, from Ask is powered by Google. So um, they're definitely making some, and, they, and that contract was just renewed, uh, I believe, earlier this year. Now, Gary, I don't want to put you in a position to comment on what happened with the layoffs at Ask, um, but I do, I am curious. When when that happened, when you and Patrick were let go along with a number of other, um, well, just phenomenal people from, from Ask.com, eight was per, that a signal they were the moving company. away from search, moving away from pure search? It came pretty much as a surprise. I mean, obviously, one of the, uh, when when somebody like Jim Lanzone, a visionary like Jim Lanzone, was let go, I knew that perhaps the writing was on the wall because I came in because Jim, I came in to ask because Jim said it's one thing to have all this cool technology and and being the leader like you said earlier in some of this technology, but it's another thing to get people to use it in this age where Google is a verb and that's the search tool for most people, so or for the majority of the people. So I was brought in. Under Jim Lanzone's, uh, under Jim Lanzone to be out there talking about the product, and also working with the product development teams to help make the products better. Uh, hopefully, we ex- we achieved a little of that in the two years I was there. But once once Jim Lanzone, the visionary behind all of what you see behind Ask 3D, uh, he was the one who got everybody motivated enough to build these products. Once he was let go, I had a funny feeling that. Uh, 
my and my name might be coming up next because I was I, I was really working very very closely with Jim. And I guess in the corporate culture, you can you can feel when one champion of a direction moves out of a position or is moved on. You can yeah, you can I mean Jim that. was definitely. Jim was definitely a champion, and uh, and and also he's just he's also I think I think people in the industry who know Jim love Jim, and that's very easy to do because once you once you have a chance to sit down and talk with him for any more than about a minute and a half, you know what a champion he is of search and his understanding of search and search as a business is. So where is um and what, what, I, I, I don't want to mention one other thing at all, but where are they as a search business right now? You've got me. I, I have no inside word about where they're where they might be going in the future. Obviously, they just made a uh, purchase a couple of weeks ago of Dictionary.com, I believe, and Thesaurus.com. But what a lot of people don't know is they've always had dictionary services available on Ask.com. All you have to do is go to Ask.com, type in define in the word, and you'll come back with the dictionary definition. Uh, they were licensed. They've been licensing that information from the American Heritage Dictionary, and now the and now they have a company that actually provides dictionary information through Dictionary.com. Other than that, I, I don't see. And, and then we also saw a few weeks ago uh, the new head of Ask.com saying what a lot of people have thought. I think he was actually commenting on something that Barry had written was just a bunch of blank S H I blank. Um, so again, I have no clue on where Ask.com might be headed in the future as a search engine. I do know that a lot of people liked what we were doing, and it was obviously very sad to to, to have to be up up and leave what uh, I thought was a good product and one that was growing slowly, very slowly but surely, and also being very innovative. You know, it's one thing to be the biggest; it's another thing, and it's also a lot of fun to be involved with the company. That's that's very innovative in what they're doing, and actually, a lot of the things that Ask was doing two or three years ago, we're now seeing come to play both at Google and at Yahoo. Now, and how elsewhere. was that back? You know, uh, Ask has always been something, and uh, Jim can attest to this that, that we've always looked at for for many many years as a pioneer in technologies. Um, and and really, how did that kind of uh, affect things in seeing? Uh, they never really got the the popular credit that, that they deserved. Um, no, but that, and then that, having the, the some of the best features not become enormously popular until um, they were duplicated by by Google or or, or another one of. Well, them. I think that that's that that has to go not only in search but within any, in, in any in a, in a lot of businesses. Just because you're not the, until you become the biggest in the and, and I think that's the type of age we live in now. I mean, this is this perhaps is a topic for another discussion, but it seems to me that we live in a world where if you're not the biggest, you're not you can't be any good. And a lot of times, sometimes the smaller products, the smaller companies, the companies that don't churn it out every day, don't, don't churn out to the masses, can be doing very innovative things that the larger companies can't be doing. And I would also argue, and this this goes long before I would work for Ask. I, I worked for Ask. Excuse me. Just because you're not the biggest doesn't mean that you're not of any value to anyone. And I think that's something that people often forget in search. Um, what I love if you said, Gary, I'm buying you a nice $300,000 Ferrari today, sure, I would. And thank you for sending it over. 
uh, versus buying just a run-of-the-mill Ford or General Motors car? Sure. But Ferrari doesn't sell nearly as many cars as General Motors or Ford does, or, or, or even Daimler Chrysler. But that doesn't mean that the Ferrari isn't a wonderful automobile. Just because it's smaller doesn't make it bad or, not, or non-noteworthy and doesn't make it a company that's doing innovative things. Well, for the longest time, Ask was the most innovative search engine out there, as Dave said, doing stuff that would later be popularized when copied by uh, one of its larger competitors. Now that Ask seems to have taken a step back from major research and development and, and becoming the, the, the industry and being the industry leader, um, it looks like Google is taking on the mantle of, of most innovative. Well, now, Gary, you, were, you were right there in the trenches. Is there any way to compete against this? Is there any way to compete against Google? Well, if I had that answer, I probably would be laying on uh, some beach somewhere, watching watching my watching my income rise as I as I doled out this important information. What I can't understand is how Microsoft can't get a foot in the door in this area with with the with the knowledge and the experience and the money that they have to do it. I mean, they've done it in so many other areas, uh, namely, let's talk about web browsers. While Firefox is still, while Firefox is a wonderful product, again, Firefox is not nearly the biggest, but it's still a wonderful product. Uh, Facebook is not nearly, doesn't not near, doesn't nearly have the amount of members as MySpace does, but Facebook is a wonderful product for a lot of people. Um, is there any way people can compete with Google? I, a company can compete with Google. I absolutely believe that, um, no company is forever, and I think that in the near, and maybe in, in the future, I don't know if it's the near future or the distant future, there will be companies who can outplay Google in a lot of different areas. And one other company that I wanted to mention, you know, one of the other revenue streams that Google wants to get started is with their, with their Google search appliance. And just... And just recently, Google announced that they're working with a, with two with a company called Adhere Technologies. And what you'll be able to do there is do a federated search. Federated searching is quite popular in the library world right now. And you'll be able to use the Google search appliance to do a federated search uh, of over 5,000 different databases. You select the databases. So I think there's another way that we're seeing Google step up to the plate and say, we might not have everything. But you can use our search appliance, not only search Google and the open web, but at the same time you search Google, we can take you directly into X database, X information, and, put, and merge those results in with open web information. It's really an exciting thing, federated search, if it's done proper. So um, I think that's a really interesting type of technology that, that Google is allowing Adhere technology to work with. That is, we're not going to try to crawl every bit of information out there. And remember, there's a lot of information. Let's talk about material that's on intranet databases. So now using Adhere's technology coupled with a company called Muse Global, they'll be actually able to give you not only web results from the Google search appliance, but also go into over 5,000 different databases pull that information in real time, and merge it in with everything else you would get back from the Google search appliance. Well, interesting. That, to me, that sounds like an entrance for SEOs into um, corporate files, into intranets, making, making documents e more easily searchable. 
Absolutely. And in this case, you keep the data in its native database and you call for the data in real time by using one of these connectors that Muse Global makes available through Adhere Technologies. Well, you know, that, that makes a wonderful segue into another area of questions I wanted to ask you. Um, given the new innovations that are, that are coming from the search engines and from, from emerging, uh, other emerging companies, how should webmasters or what should webmasters be looking at as um, best practices six months to a year from now? Well, I do think, obviously, with Google Universal and Google Universe and the Ask3D and the Yahoo OneSearch, I really think that you need to be, and what I just mentioned from Adhere Technologies, you really need to be looking at uh, the idea of merging everything into one results page. The problem, the problem with that is, is that there's a lot more that can go on that first page of results. The challenge is trying to get, for webmasters, I know, and for SEO people, is to try to get it onto that first page of results. But there's a lot of information that, that's useful to an end user, but for whatever reason doesn't rank and can't be in, the, can't be in those first ten. And that's where it becomes a huge challenge, is to try to get into those first ten results. Because for most people, and a lot of the people I work with, if it's not in those first ten, forget about it. But that's another reason why another form of technology, that being dynamic clustering, what you see at Clusty and Vivissimo, can be of great value. It can not only show you what you know by providing you regular results like you would find at Google or Yahoo or Live.com, but using those dynamic clusters, you can often find things that would be buried in the results, and those can be brought up to the top, and you can get to them a lot more quickly. The problem is, teaching people the technology. It's amazing to me that searching and information retrieval isn't taught as much as it should be in the schools. Um, for most people, and including students, including faculty members at a lot of places I've come across, if it's not in those first ten results, then it doesn't exist. And that becomes a huge problem, uh, in my view, moving forward. So search, search and search skills should become basic, basic media literacy. Absolutely. Um, not only search skills, but also media awareness skills. Why are people putting stuff on the web? What is their reason for putting it on the web? How current is it? How accurate is it? What, um, who, who are these groups putting the information on the web, and what are their reasons for putting it on the web in the first place? Um, this is a little different, obviously, than SEO, but from where I stand, these, those things are very, very important. Now, in, in your experience with, with federated search and, I guess, with universal search, what are some signals that webmasters should be looking to insert into, uh, into the documents they're creating or that the search engines are looking for in documents? That's a tough one for me to answer because, one of the great things about Ask 3D was that the page was always in the same type of order. You knew to you know to a certain degree what is going to be coming up on a results page. Uh, with Ask with Google Universal, it's much more difficult. Or Google Universe, it's much more difficult to have an idea of what triggers. Has anybody? I'm, I'm going to ask you. Has anybody done any studies to find out what triggers triggers a universe search? on Monday but might not trigger it again on Wednesday or Thursday? Are there are, are, I should ask you this question. Are there certain words and ideas that trigger a universe search versus just giving you the 10 
the ten blue links? Well, I mean, from a from an SEO or webmaster's perspective, when you're thinking universal search, you have to think local and regional. Um, right. That's that's the biggest signal in universal from from where I'm sitting. But then I've also come across on Google. I've seen videos show up from YouTube and, and elsewhere. You know, I think I think a lot more study needs to go in, and somebody needs to, if they would want to, share what they find with what triggers a universal search on one day that might not trigger it on another day. Um, well, as I understand it, actually. I really don't have an answer to that question. It's Larry and, Sir, and Sergey's minions um, watching every search string coming in going, yeah, let's throw this in there, too. Something like that, as I get it. It's very rudimentary at this point. Right, and I've come across some image searching that um, I just came across one over the holiday, holiday weekend down here that... Um, Triggers the you know triggers an image search results and remember too the idea of putting images on the, if somebody typed in the word image Vancouver how you would find the first three images on the top of the on the top of the results page mm-hmm. that's something that Ask was doing before everybody else so there's an example again of the Ask innovation that now everybody else does if if this if the search string suggests they're looking for pictures now everybody else throws the pictures up at the top of the results page but it's very important that certain words that might, that might trigger a image result um, are, are what everybody wants to see you know you know what's funny I think this is the longest conversation in that I can remember in the search media since February about ask.com Really, I, honestly, I, I can't think of a longer article, a longer uh, uh, radio segment on Webmaster Radio, or in any other media except perhaps a live keynote speech by Barry Diller where he says something silly, like Google's irrelevant. Um, well, I, I enjoy my time there. Out. I really enjoy working with the people there. Um, but as I wrote on Resource Shelf the day I was let go, you know, all things must kind of a Zen approach. All things must pass, and it's time to move on to something else. But for the time that, for the two years that I was there, I had a not only a, a learning a great learning experience, but it was also a lot of fun. And I think it was it was fun to be part of such in a, a company that, as you've now said a couple of times, was doing such innovative things. Well, Gary, this this forty minute conversation with you has been fun, informative and uh, most innovative. Um, and you provided us with the most amazing segues because unfortunately, as you just said, all things must end and we're running out of time very rapidly. Um, Dave, do you have any more, any more questions you want to get in before we, before we let Mr. Price go? You know, anything I could ask now would just lead me into another 40 minutes of, of conversations on uh, you know, some of the specifics on the invisible web and, and what this means. Well, and, um, so I, I would just say um, I, I hope that uh, that we can have you on the show again and uh, and launch into another forty minutes. Any time for you too. And, I, and again, I like to remind people that to take a look if you're wanting to see what the power of what a local library has to offer. Give your local library a call. Go to their website. Get a library card and take a look at some of the databases that are available to you for free from your local public library. Whether you're sitting at home, whether you're sitting in your office or you're sitting in an Internet cafe, you'll be amazed at the type of access you can get. One database that is quite popular is called InfoTrack OneFile, and that currently has over 60 million full-text articles available. 
Well, uh, Gary Price from ResourceShelf.com, thank you so much for taking the time with us on Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm today. Uh, friends, that was Gary Price. Uh, he's the head librarian over at Resource Shelf, former chief evangelist for Ask.com, and one of the original editors at Search Engine Watch. Uh, Gary is one of the fellows who helped build this industry into what it is today, and he gave us some phenomenal advice on the show. Um, stay tuned. There's some amazing content, including a live show coming up next. Linda Woods has a, has a live show for Affiliate Master coming up directly after us. And uh, Dave, I think that's about it for us. That's about it. I think if we try and go on any longer, Brasco's going to tear his hair out, and next time he sees me, probably mine. Next week, we're going to be coming from we're going to be coming to you live from fabulous Seattle from the Search Engine Marketing Expo. Um, until then, friends, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. This is Jim Hedger from MetaMen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. Have a great week. 